episode and a very, very special episode tonight that I'm really looking forward to. Now, it's been a, a condensed week of football. We've seen the Hawks lose, and, uh, lose to the Crows, so the Crows have got off their duck there. Uh, Seb, how have you enjoyed this, this round so far in this uh, shortened week? Uh, it's been a very condensed week, uh, but it's been very nice. Finish work, get inside, watch a couple of games, tweet out at the, at the world, I and then have... roll into bed, do it all again the next day. It's great. We we have been more active if the uh, listeners slash viewers have noticed uh, on the Twitter, so don't be afraid to jump in there. But today is all about a special guest we've uh, we've gotten in. So from the Geelong Football Club, we're very fortunate to have Liam Woodland, uh, recruiter extraordinaire, join us tonight. Uh, Liam, welcome. Thank you, Tom. I'm I'm uh, very flattered by that introduction, but. No, it's short and sharp. So, no, you, I know you've been working there, uh, helping the cats out since 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 2000, 2011. I, I was that was my first year as a as a as a volunteer, and um, yeah, I was I was lucky enough to be given a little task to do in 2011, and um, yeah, from 11, 12, 13, they started paying me a, a little bit of petrol money, and um, I sort of just kept nagging away for a job there, and. And eventually, um, I nagged them enough, and and they gave me a job, Tom. Yeah, when that, does that's... long service leave start accruing? <laughs> yeah, well, this is my fifth year full time, so yeah, right. yeah, it could be a couple more years time, I think. Fantastic. Let's go off the top. This is huge news. So this is Richmond's second breach, right? So they they had a twenty five k fine from the uh, Brook Cochin Base Bar Gate. Yep. As, uh, as they're saying in the circles. Uh, and now Sydney Stack and young, what's his name? Coleman. Callum Coleman-Jones. That's the one. Thank you. Uh, just jumped in an Uber, went to one of uh, Cavalavel's finest and uh, got in a little fight over a, uh, a Sliver, a Slivlaki. Kebab. Kebab. Yeah. That's it. And uh, Tom Brown's been all over this story like a bad rash. Yeah, uh, and now, player. both players suspended ten games. Richmond fined a hundred grand, so they've got the twenty-five suspended, seventy-five on top of it. Um, there's a hell of a lot of angles here. Firstly, Brendan Gale said they want the players to pay the fine. Now, there's a lot of talk. The AFLPA will step in because thirty-seven and a half thousand dollar fine is steep to say the least, and it also comes off the soft. Salary, it's not the soft salary cap, the uh, the football department cap, um, which would directly affect people like you, Liam, who are yes. obviously employed under that. It's dropping, I think I was reading it somewhere around the nine mil, dropping probably three mil next year, given all the uh, the the fiscal issues we've had across the comp this year. Um, and that's like that's harsh. That means some poor bloke's going to lose his job effectively at Richmond. Yeah, seventy-five like k. That, that's, that's a wage. The, that's a wage. Huge news, and they're in all sorts. Richmond. Is that fair to say? Well, yeah. I mean, we did cover Richmond in our last uh, podcast, and we were questioning how well they were travelling. But it does seem, uh, yeah, this is a, another breach, and this is sort of starting to seem like scenes of uh, disarray. Now, from what I know, I think Hardwick and Neil Balm aren't based where some of the other players are based. I think it was Tim Livingston might have been looking after particular players, including Sydney and uh, and Coleman Jones, and, and they've they've just just disrespected 
you know, the club's wishes there and, and they've just winged it probably because they thought they could get away with it. So um, are you calling the culture into question, Seb? This is a pattern of behaviour now, isn't it? Well, well, yeah, we've seen it a couple of times, so that's fair. We've had Brooke Cochin at the day spa and then since then, before this, we've had her dad lash out saying they were unfairly treated. Now, I think that's a, like, that's a bit of a stretch. You've been flown up to Queensland. You've got out of Melbourne where, like, we're not allowed to leave the house. And, you know, Beck Judd's whinging about it. That's a story for another day. She's, uh, she's <laughs> copped it. I did see that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the, there was that. And I, I, from what I understand, the Cotcher family were real dirty on how it was handled. Um, look, it's a hard situation for everyone, no matter where you are, in terms of lockdown and restrictions and being away from people you love and all that sort of stuff. But and So I can understand how people aren't handling it as well as maybe they should be. But they're all over the shop, it seems. And, you know, this is the time of year where you want to keep everything watertight. Like, you've got three well, games. They're, push, they're pushing top four. So, it, you know, it's it's a big stage of the year, as you said. Yeah. Well, there's, there's three games left. And you probably want to win two out of them to, to guarantee your spot. Um, and I just... Look, it's not what you want happening at this, this stage of the season. I said last week they couldn't win the flag, didn't I? Well, you know, yeah, there you go. Yeah, this goes a long way. I mean, Sydney in and out of the team, um, Coleman Jones working his way. I mean, do you think that the 10 games was fair? Yeah, 100%. They could have gone harsher. Like, I did think it, when I, I first heard it, I was their season's done. So, I mean, 10 obviously does that, but that's a fair whack next year as well. You have another breach up there. What What's that going to do to the comp? Well, yeah, that, like, yeah exactly. From oh, what I'm with you. I think it was it was fair. I mean, it, it's, it is hard to hear, you know, that 100's going to cost someone their job, but I think they... Uh, they were left with no choice. They, I mean, I, do you think premiership points would have been too far? Do you uh, think the... Well, the AFL can do what they want. Yeah. Uh, probably too far, but I think if, if Richmond as a club have another breach, that's the part. It'll be premiership points or draft picks. Yeah, I tend to think maybe draft picks first, just judging on, you know, what we've seen out of the Blues and, and whatnot in the past. Um not that so put Carlton back 10 years. I think they're still struggling to recover from that. Uh, but, but yeah, look, I, I'm with you. I, I think the pet, the punishments were fair. Um, I mean, yeah, I still am interested, though, on your on your views, yeah, on the on the Tigers' culture there. I mean, it, something's amiss there that, that they're getting away with. Well, they're not getting away with it, but that they're getting out like this. I mean, is this, you know, where there's smoke, there's a fire. Do you think it's rampant in, in the group, or do you think it's just two of the not as smooth as they think types were just caught. Oh, it was two young blokes two young blokes just making a mistake, wasn't it? Like that's yeah. that's ultimately what it was. Yeah, I think I think um Brendan Gale said something similar to that today, didn't he? He's a smart man, Brendan. He'll be the next uh he'll be the next Gil. Uh <laughs> yeah, he said something along those lines and, and I think he was a bit lost. Well, what do you say? Like Two blokes make a mistake. I'm glad he didn't go down the Eddie route and just say, oh, look. Well, that was probably my next question. If this was Collingwood, what, where would we be at? Geez, I'm proud of the boys for the way they've handled it. You know? Like, Brendan just sort of said, no. Nah. Like, what do you do? I, yeah. I, you know, they've made a mistake. They're, they're going to cop it. 
deservedly so and we're disappointed and and move on and, and try and sweep it under the rug as quickly as we can because, you know, footy's, footy's just going to keep going. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they don't really have... Well, they've got a buy coming up, so they're going to have to sit and stew on this one probably for not as long. It's not week to week anymore, but they will have to uh, sit on this one until they play again. But, I mean, it was a big... A big news story, but also another massive story that we found from Queensland this week was that's where the granny's going to be. So we placed our bets on this a few podcasts yeah. back, and, and you were very sure on the WA. I mean, you, <laughs> your credit, you put your neck out, and uh, I mean, you were, I think, correct if we're talking time slots, so I will give you an out there. But uh, yeah, Brisbane getting the chocolate, so I'm interested on uh, what you think about that one, Seb. Is the AFL mad? I understand. I understand the uh, the the Western Australian government offered them an extra thirty million dollars in incentives, and this is for a league who's had to, they're losing. They've had to give money back on the TV rights. Uh, you know, they, they're looking at cutting down salary cap slash footy department cap next year because they haven't got the, haven't got the money. They're not paying the junior clubs. Um, junior clubs who have a player drafted should get a payment. They've stopped this year because of COVID. You know, they can't look after yeah, a little guy. That, yeah. They can send everyone to Queensland to have a nice little party and put their feet up on the golf course. But he comes, oh, no, we'll put the grand final at the Gabba, which is it top seven ovals in Australia? <laughs> I have Seriously? been to the Gabba and I did enjoy my experience there. You were sitting next to me for most of that day. It was for the cricket, but that's another story. I've been, we've got to play too, footy here, Tom. We've got to play footy. No, so true. The MCG is number one. Correct. So you've got Adelaide Oval, Optus Stadium. You could probably flip a coin for two to three, just depending on how you want to rank it. Yeah, look, you've said my top three. Not in yep. the right order, but I, yeah, top three. Yep. Uh, Marvel slash Colonial slash Head slash Telstra Dome. Yep. <laughs> You'd have, I'd have that ahead of the Gabba. I'd have the SCG ahead of the Gabba. Yep. So there's five. So we're already down to the sixth best at least stadium. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty yeah, sure I can, I can I can think of one um, down my neck of the woods, uh, Sebastian. The Mars, BMI, over in Ballarat. BMI, no. Yeah, well, correct. <laughs> <laughs> Mars Stadium is a nice boutique stadium. GMHBA Stadium would be in, definitely in my top one or two. Seriously, what a stadium. He says that with uh, with one eye. But look, yeah, it, that, that is an option there. Last time I was at GMHBA, it was a North Melbourne game. North Melbourne played Geelong. We kicked one goal for the game on a Saturday night. It was negative one degree sitting in the crowd. And this, he was a nice bloke sitting next to me. He couldn't work out why I kept having goes at Geelong players. He's like, mate, well, that's you, a you haven't kicked the goal. And I said, found down there. We're doing all right. Um but lovely stadium. Can couldn't, I, couldn't fault it. Can I? Can I? Do, and I, and I don't want to butt in here because I, all I want to do is just listen to the experts on this podcast. But I think the AFL's done a, a great job. I'm proud of the AFL for choosing Brisbane. The Queensland government has helped our game so much, haven't they? Look, the Gabba might not be in the top seven best stadiums in Australia, but I'm proud that they didn't go with the money. I'm proud that they went with the state that's helped us so much get this game. I imagine if we were in second lockdown and we didn't have footy to watch, hey? Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, I agree with you because I was glad to see it in Queensland. It's a rare opportunity. I mean, this is once in a history of the game type thing, but yeah, they've 
been the lifeline that's kept the game going. And I think you'll find also with, with WA, um, their lockout, I mean, their border rules just aren't practical mm. for mm. the grand final. It just wouldn't work, teams training. We should also mention that uh, WA wasn't second. The Adelaide Oval is the second option as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. even there uh, in, in front of WA. So I think... I know, uh, especially you, uh, Seb, have, have looked after our WA listeners this year, but uh, unfortunately, I think I think the right decision's been made. I, I think um, the, the Gabba, the game in Queensland, what they've done for us this year, it ticks many a box, but I am also intrigued about how the time slot will affect the game. Uh, we're talking about a yellow football game, potentially on a dewy night in October. Uh, so that is my only sort of concern with the Gabba. Uh, your your thoughts on the on the time slot? Uh, well, we said we said weeks ago this is their chance to have the night grand final and not yeah. not cop any flack because the Victorians can't go, so they're not going to have a look about it. Um, yeah, look, the, look, I, I think it was time for a night grand final anyway, um, regardless of COVID. It, it just it makes sense. They can make it a bit of a better spectacle. Um, although I did hear they tried to get Powderfinger back together and they've knocked them back. Um, yeah, just doing it on their own time. But yeah, I think the night the night slot overall's a spectacle. Spectacle will work. Whether it mixes in well with the Queensland weather, that'll remain to be seen. But it's a grand final and the conditions will be equal. Both teams playing it so whether it's pissing down rain or whether it's nice and sunny, like it just doesn't matter. You're going to have a grand we'll final and they're going it. to be, they're going to be going head to head. Um, and that it, ultimately it won't matter. I think, I think if it was sunny and you were watching players put their hand up to sort of block the sun, that would have been worse than just if it's a bit dewy, like they'll yeah, get around no, that. They'll get point. over it and they'll just, they'll, they'll play footy. They'll, whichever the team adapts to the conditions will win. And that'll be fair enough. If, if it becomes an issue. Yeah, that's fair. Look, I'll, I'll be honest. I am a traditionalist because I, I love it during the day. I think you find most of the points about why a night grand final is happening or why it's a good idea are actually focused not on the actual game. They're all the stuff around it. So, look, I'm going to just be interested to see how that affects it. But, uh, I, look, I'm staying with it. The Gabba, I think, is, is, been, is the best result we could have hoped for, really, uh, in terms of what they've delivered to the game. So... A hundred percent. And I should say, I thought they should have picked the Gabba. I just said, I think they're going to go with Perth because I think they'll be able to get a bigger crowd and more money. And I was a hundred percent right. I just didn't think Gil was going to take, do the right thing versus the money. That's what shocked me. But... Well, yeah. Look, if we can take any hints from Gil, he is saving his money because he hasn't had a haircut for a while with that uh, mullet he was sporting the other day. But uh, (laughs) moving on. To our special guest now, Liam's been kind enough to join us. Um, it, obviously, we had we had the intro there, but um, we've we've put our brains together and, and come up with a few questions. Uh, Liam, we we hope you'll enlighten our listeners with um, the first one off the top uh, is what motivated you in the first place to make the move into AFL recruitment. What what about this field of the AFL uh, jumped out at you as a potential career? Yeah. Um... It's interesting, Kurt. Oh, Tom, I, I, um, you know, I always wanted to play AFL footy, uh, and you guys have seen me play, and uh, that was you do some great things on field. <laughs> that was never ever going to happen, was it? So, I, I thought to myself, I, I did a commerce degree, and 
um, with an accounting major. My, my dad's an accountant, and um, and uh, yeah, I, I I just wanted to work in footy. That was my passion. It's always been my passion, and um, I was very lucky when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do for a job that I, I got to speak to a lot of different people in and around the footy industry um, to give me a bit of a pathway to how I should go about it. So I was very lucky there, and. Um, yeah, I, I was very, I was lucky enough to have some people show me the right direction, and and um, I, I got my foot in the door at the beginning there with with the cats, and and um, and yeah, I was I was patient for a while, and I just kept asking a lot of questions and kept learning a lot about the game, and um, you think you know a lot about the game as as a fan and as a um, supporter sitting twelve rows back at the at the MCG, but. But then, when you when you when you start talking to people who are involved with the game, you, you can just learn so much, and and that's one of the big things I love about my job is that I can learn every day. You, know, you can talk to so many different people at our footy club and, and around the league. We I talk to a lot of different recruiters because we see them all the time at the different games, and you can just learn so many different things um, all the time. And the game's ever changing, so um, yeah, I, I think that's that's one of the biggest. That's one of my favourite parts of the game. But in terms of what what motivated me, um, it was yeah the passion for me to, to to not work a day in my life and and um, yeah I love my job and and uh, yeah I'll, you'll never hear me complain about what I do for a living um, ever. Look, I can quote you on that. I, I've never heard you complain about it. You are passionate from and I could you could see that coming across uh, just in that there. What is, what is your average week entail as a recruiter? Like you're obviously not nine to five in the traditional sense. You sort of more nah. work when you're required to. Yeah, it's it's funny, Seb. I, I um right now in in these COVID times, it's it's quite funny. We we sit in the footy department as recruiters, so we're part of the footy department, but. We live a bit of a different life to everybody else in the footy department. So, um, in our footy department, majority of the people that work there are all geared towards game day, um, towards getting the players on the ground and and helping the team win. So, um, we're geared towards helping the team win, but it's in a bit of a different fashion. So, yeah, we we work um, we work from February all the way all the way through to the end of November when the draft is and, and a little bit into December. And then we have a little bit of a break over summer and, and get back into it for the next draft. But a typical week, um, I always say to people, there's not really too many typical weeks. In season, um, an in-season typical week, probably the easiest way to explain it is is um, if you start at Saturday, you're, you're watching footy on a Saturday, you might watch one game, Two games, depending on when you're, if you're interstate or, or uh, here in Victoria, and then Sunday you might watch a couple more games. Monday um, you write your reports on those games. Tuesday we're generally together in at the footy club, um, talking about the games from the weekend and talking about the games coming up the week later, and watching a bit of vision together. Um, I find it really helpful watching vision with my colleagues, Troy Selwood and Andrew Mackey and. And Stephen Wells, who have all been in the industry for a long time, and I can learn a lot off those guys. And and then Wednesday we generally have off. And um, before I had a little baby, Wednesday was my golf day, so I don't know what's going to happen now. 
But um, and then Thursday you, you you're doing a bit of vision, um, you're doing some admin stuff, and then it comes around to Friday and you're either travelling into state or you're going to watch a game of school footy or um, you're getting your your spotters in Victoria or South Australia or or Western Australia organised for the weekend coming up. So um, that is as typical a week as I can explain. But things pop up every now and oh, here, there, and everywhere different out of season i mean you also get short notice you're going to this state or is yeah. it mainly victoria you find you're working no i do i do a lot of work tommy in south australia so um troy selwood and myself um we we yeah, cover a lot of the games recruiting so stephen wells is the recruiting analyst manager so he he tries needs to spread himself across all the recruiting draft um but also the free agency and and um, list management stuff so yeah, his weekends are, uh, you know, he watches the Cats a lot and the Cats VFL and um, tries to get to as many um, yeah, draft-eligible kids' games as possible. But, yeah, I do a lot of work in South Australia. Um, and I'll go to Western Australia three or four times a year as well. Um, but, yeah, it's it's generally at the beginning of the year we try and try and plan it out to when our trips are and, and um, you know, try and work them around talking to the different clubs in in the different states and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, we tend to try and um, uh, work it so that there's, there's uh, you know, it's a, it's a two or three week in advance um, try and sort of set up so you can get a little bit of planning in your life. But towards the end of the year, we, we um, yeah, there's a bit of, we need to follow up on these kids and it might be the last time we'll be able to see them live. And, um, yeah, and, and all this, I have to add, is in a normal year. So this year, we're not doing any travel, obviously, which is, which has been uh, a little bit of a nice break for me, which is nice. You're not getting those frequent fly miles. No, I'm not. That's, uh... no, my status with Virgin has gone um, very, very close to silver uh, from platinum. Along with everyone else, though. You're yeah, not, correct. No one's getting ahead of you. So, um, do you, are you still able to watch games of footy, like? as in watch them without having the recruiting hat on? Or is it just natural to think, oh, geez, he's really good at this? Or, <laughs> you know, if on the weekend you're watching a key forward and then you're watching, like you're watching tonight and Eric Hipwood's running around, you're sort of thinking, oh, yeah, the key forwards are doing this and this. Can you switch it off or does it not matter? Oh, that's a good question. No, I can't, not really. Like, I, it's a bit of, yeah, it's not annoying because I love it. Um, but you watch, you know, like I watch, this, this game tonight, and you and you watch, um, yeah, you know, Eric Kippwood, as you say, and you think, oh, you know, Eric Kippwood, what type of player is he? You know, he's 199 centimeters, he's fast, he's a good mark, he's a beautiful long kick. You know, who's the Eric Kippwood of this year's draft, or who's the Eric Kippwood of next year's draft, or um, would Eric Kippwood help our list? You know, where would he play for us? Um, we're using Eric Kipwood uh, as an no, example here, and, right? and Eric Kip, Eric Kip was type <laughs> hypothetical, of course. Hypothetical. And, and Eric oh, Kip was a scoop. Player. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I, I don't watch the footy the same. Even the Cats games, I don't watch the same as as I used to. Um, just because you're, you're invested in in the people and you you know the you know the people personally and you want them all to do so well. So. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting question. I, I don't know if it's a good thing or not because during the season I'll find myself and my wife's very good at um, uh, keeping me 
grounded or keeping me away from footy because I need to get away from footy or else it it does my head completely in and I get to about July and I'm completely sick of everything and usually I go up to Queensland for a week and and get myself away from footy and come back fresh. <laughs> That'd be the Saints Hub in Noosa if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> uh, uh, feeding on from that, I mean, you are a, a, a lifetime Cats fan. I'm interested in how you went, particularly in your early days, uh, crossing paths with a few of your yeah. your heroes or your favourite players. I mean, it, it it must be pretty funny or, or weird or surreal to you know be crossing paths with a, a Matty Scarlett, for example, yeah. or a Paddy Dangerfield or. Uh, yeah, Andrew Mackey, as you said. So I'm, mean, I'm just interested in how you, particularly in your early days, how how you found all of all of that. Yeah, it is. It is weird. Um, it was weird. Um, you get you get used to it, but don't don't get me wrong. You, um, there's definitely times where I uh, I still now just sit back and think to myself, oh, ten year old ten year old Lamb would be pretty proud of of thirty one year old Lamb or whatever I am. Um, <laughs> Just oh, and just because you love it, and, and you love when um, I remember when Gary Ablett Jr. So Gary left in at the end of 2010. So I'd never met Gary or um, yeah, never had anything to do with him or anything like that. And then when he came back from the Gold Coast, the first time, which was in November, or you know nobody was in at the club, but the first time he came into the club, and um, you know I introduced myself and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you, there's a fan in you that that, that you, know, yeah. you get to be giddy and yeah you can't oh, don't get me wrong I'm not being there's no way I'd ever be blase about it all I, I love it and um, you do get used to it no, no, no selfies or autographs no. if, if, if you can be honest with us no, none of that none of that oh, my dad has got a photo of Gary Senior that I still need to get signed but and I hate, I don't like getting things signed. You know, people ask me all the time, can you sign this? Can, can you get them to sign this? And that, I'll feel so awkward because you, know, you see these people every day and the way we're set up in our, in our footy club, everyone walks past everyone's desks. And you, you don't get any work done because you just talk all the time and you, know, you talk about life and footy and how's everything going and I always try to learn something off, off whoever walks past, whether it's yeah, you know, Mitch Duncan or Tom Hawkins or whoever it is, but um, yeah, interesting, interesting question. Is there a player there who would sign anything but ask for a little cash on the side? Would <laughs> sign anything but ask for cash on the side? No, I don't know. I, the the book, I got to admit, the guys are good. Like of of um, yeah, you know, for for friends and and different a few charities over the years and yeah you know, got things signed and the guys are brilliant you know they're just as long as as long as you hold the hold the jumper out tight enough so the the sharpie doesn't run in the wrong right wrong ways then then they're all good so um i'll tell you what you don't get used to and this is, might be something for the uh, you, you, i never get used to how big some of these blokes are like they are yeah. monsters, like Tom Hawkins, and yeah, you know, I, I still marvel at just how big he is. He's just such a massive man, and yeah, you know, Reece Stanley, and um, there's the Saints one for you, Coop. Um, yeah, she's a, yeah. a big Sav. Asava, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Asava. Yeah, yeah. He's um, the big, big Fijian boy from Cobram, um, yeah, and they just get bigger when they when you draft them and get them in the gym. And, 
you try and project out how big and strong they're going to get. And, you know, if Ava walking around the place, you think to yourself, geez, you've put on that 15 kilos and it's all in all pure muscle. And you don't get used yeah, to that. The good 15. Yeah. The good type of 15 kilos. Yeah, not, yeah. not our 15. Not yeah, our not type. Our 15. <laughs> well, speaking of it, I mean, you're talking, uh, you know, that's a few seasons and a few pre-seasons in the gym, but what do you think about the, the current draft age? Are we Are we set where we are at the current state or should we lift it? I mean, yeah, if we're talking, you know, getting into an AFL environment and putting on size, but just more, yeah, what your thoughts are yeah. on the just the draft age. That's interesting, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, I want the draft age to, to be changed and that's that's my view. Not, not I can't, I'm not speaking on behalf of the club or, or anything like that, but that's, that's my view. Yeah. You know, you watch, uh, if I can bring up an example, it's Sam Walsh, like, rising star winner from last year. I, I can remember watching Sam Walsh as, a, as a, a 15-year-old kid in year nine playing for St. Joseph's in Geelong, St. Joseph's College in Geelong in the Herald Sun Shield. And I thought I'd found a player. I thought he was a, a draft-eligible player. And, um, and yeah, you watch Sam as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 17, 18-year-old, and... He's 18th year. He's just way too good for him at pack cup level. He's way too good for him at at the national championships level, which is the highest level. And he's just ready for AFL footy. So, and look, don't get me wrong. I understand that not every player that you draft is ready for AFL footy. We even um, we've only debuted one of our draftees from last year. Um, Brad Close was a rookie, and he was a mature age um, draftee. He was playing senior footy last year for Glenelg. So. Um, yeah, I'd like to see it um, stay at 18. What, what do you blokes think? Have you guys got a different opinion on that? I've, I'm an advocate for raising it, but they need to have, and who knows what they do with this new Eastern Football League, like VFL hybrid, but yeah, the East Coast they need to have a place for them to play once they hit, once they get out of school, they need a place to play that's not necessarily straight into that league. Like, yeah. obviously, 20 years ago, you had your under-19s to reserves to seniors. So yeah. the absolute guns could come straight through and play in the seniors, but the rest would go under-19s and then see how they go. So I just think, like, and you, we've seen it a lot with, like, Carlton are the one example that comes to mind. Even Melbourne, like... We've got to play the kids. We've got to get games into the kids. We'll, we'll just pick the kids, and and that's how we're going to go really well. And like, I've gone into Carton a little bit, but Melbourne, they had two years where they were, I think, ten, ten, roughly around eight to ten wins with Dean mm-hmm. Bailey, and they sacked him because they weren't progressing fast enough. And then they got like they moved on, like Jared Rivers, um, yeah, McDonald, the, James yep, McDonald. Uh, Cam Bruce mm-hmm. went to Hawthorne, yeah, like. Hawthorne. They've moved on all these people, and it's like the kids are just going to come through and do it. And they, they were kids like Trengrove was captain mm. at twenty one. Mm. Like, and so I think some of the clubs put so much weight onto the shoulders of these kids who are coming in who are eighteen, and like clubs like mine, like North Melbourne, we can't sell that we're going to do really well next year. We can sell we've got two picks that look like they'll be in the top ten. Yep. We've got these kids coming through. We're just going to be really good because we've got kids and. I think people get caught up in, oh, let's get the young kid, he'll develop. And it, it's, it can be a raffle in terms of how well they'll develop. You can do all your research, but, you know, there, there's only so much you can do from what I've seen. Yeah, but having said yeah. that, there are always 
exceptions. Like, you know, how, could you imagine Matty Rowell having to go around in oh, one of the state leagues yeah. this year because he's not old enough as well? Correct. Like, Noah Anderson's the same. As, yeah, it's, it's, those guys were... Yeah, Rowley was ready. They were both ready after their 17th year, those two. Um, and, yeah, you see it every year. I, 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 I agree with you, Seb. I, I don't agree with you. But, but yeah, could, could there be a, a common ground there in terms of um, clubs that are eligible to pick one or two 18-year-olds every year and then the rest have to be over 18? Or Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not... I'm not, you know, wedded to... I'm flexible with, with how I think about it all, but, but um, I just see... Yeah. We just see so many that are that are ready to go and you'd love to have them on your team or, or watch them play AFL and, and they sh- that's where they should be playing their footy. Yeah, I'm probably also seeing, like... And I, what I'm about to say goes against what I just said, but I can't stand the whole... Like how the AFL came in and stopped, told Sydney to stop trading when they brought Buddy in. Mm. Like, oh, you're going to hurt your list. Like, teams should be, despite the fact they're not independently owned, they should be allowed to operate as a business and make absolutely whatever decision they feel is right. And if they feel bringing in five under eight, five kids who are 18 and we'll just not tank, but we'll just say whether they play or don't next year, we're just going to go in with five bodies that aren't quite ready, they should be able to make that call as well. Um, I just... I think for the sake of some of the kids, they'd be better off going to a state league rather than straight to the AFL system. Um, but well, yeah, yeah. That, that's the point I take from you, Seb. I just think that next, well, that tier that's not AFL isn't just it's not developing the players. So I don't. I, I'm someone who wants to keep the age as it is, but yeah. I would like a, a more improved system because I mean, at the moment, if they're in the AFL system, that's the best system to get the best out of them, really. So there isn't anything competing or not competing but anything to sort of complement that if they don't get picked so um, yeah and um, it, look it'll be interesting like good point the state the new state lead looks like it's going to have an under 19s variation of some description which will help them um and of course like our experience in these comps like i played half a season at sandy dragons under 15s i think that's it like i don't have any more than that so not really not really basing it off a whole lot. I still have the singlet somewhere. I'm surprised um, it's taken eight episodes for that to come up, but uh, I'm glad <laughs> it's out now. I've been biting my tongue. I've been biting my tongue. I um, Yeah, they wanted to interview me. At 15. Uh, that's, a, that's a lie. Who I just want to segue me? into this next question. <laughs> like, one of the things, and I hear, I've heard stories at the NFL, some of the weird questions I ask players at the Combine, and obviously you guys go over and interview... Um, well, not just go over, but you interview players and, and obviously by extension you meet the family and people around them. Yeah. What are some of the really weird ones you've asked and answers you've gotten and you don't necessarily have to name names because obviously you don't want to really... Oh. I'd love to... Actually, and the other thing I was thinking, I'd love to meet the bloke that interviewed Harry Taylor and see how <laughs> they came out, yeah. out of that interview. Yeah, Harry Harry was before my time. Um, Great character. Oh, he's a character. Yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's a character... He's, he's good football. He's a terrific yeah, footballer. Yeah. He's always up for a chat, Harry. Like he's always, he's always up for a chat about the game or about you know what's happening in your life. He's no, he's a quirky fella. He's no, he's, a, he's a good person, Harry, and and really good help for our young young defenders and young players coming through. Harry, uh, who interviewed him, I reckon Wellesley would have done that one, and um, that was quite he a good. He was in WA, wasn't he? 
pick he's 17, 18 WA, or something. Yeah. yeah, he's from Geraldton originally. Him and his him and his family, oh. um, him and his family, yeah, go back to Geraldton every every summer, and he spends a lot of time over there and um, goes nice cray fishing. And yeah, it is a beautiful part of the world. Um, his daughter, um, I hope I'm allowed to say this. I think I am. Um, was in my wife's uh, year level this year. Harry's young daughter until she went on maternity leave so uh these uh, a nice little connection with harold there but um i haven't uh, answered your question in any way shape or form yet have i've I, got Chris? i've got a new question how did the parent teacher go <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know i didn't ask <laughs> i think i think laws, nah. i think laws went on uh went on maternity leave before she had to do those so she played that well smart she played that smart really well. now nah, we i've got to admit we don't we don't ask too many strange questions. We we always like to um, at the combine. So what happens at the combine is we get a big list of of players to interview. We we, we put in um, nominations for kids to interview at the at the national combine. It usually ends up being about thirty kids overall. Um, and generally, what we like to do is is nominate interstate kids so that, that either we've in, myself or Troy have interviewed them interstate. Um, and Walesy can meet them or, or, you know, we don't have to actually spend the money to go interstate to, to meet them at their house, things like that. So, um, but what I'm trying to get at is we always like to ask the kids, you know, who are asking the strange questions? Because they go into corporate box after corporate box after corporate box and they always come back with um, Essendon ask us a few strange oh, I was just about to say, can <laughs> yeah. we, Essendon were at the tip of my tongue, yeah. can we guess this? Yeah, yeah Essendon would. And you can guess the well, other I'll one if you want. Doro. Interstate or Melbourne team? Melbourne-based, playing, possibly playing tonight. Oh, yeah, the Pies. Yeah, the Pies, really? the pies always have some interesting questions for him. And, um, and I, don't get me wrong, it's nothing nothing bad or anything like that. It's just, it's just thinking on your feet stuff. It's, um, I can't remember who which club this was, but last year a lot of the kids that came through asked, because we're always asking, oh, what are the weird questions you've, you've been getting? And, and one was, Along the lines of, oh, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, so don't quote me on it. But it's it's if your if your brother was about to get hit by a train, or or you you had to save your dad, or something along those lines, and it was to try and understand, yeah, you know, what their loyalties are, or yeah, and and the kids sort of look at us and, say, and we say, oh, what'd you say? And the kids sort of look at us, and say, oh, I didn't really know how to answer it. And, <laughs> But yeah, in, in terms of our in terms of our interview, um, oh, we're, we're pretty relaxed at the cats. We 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 like to get to know them as people, and um, yeah, just generally make sure that they're a good fit for our club. And and um, yeah, you 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 form your own opinion on if they are or if they are not. Um, as you go, I reckon. I'm interested, Liam, uh, in the type of draftee or young player that not just you and the Cats, but industry-wide that just makes recruiters or clubs just go, wow, that is the kind of player we want. Or, or what you, what's your, I guess, dream recruit, if you could put that out there? Um, are you looking for a you know, big key forward who can clunk it or you know, yeah. a, a player who can break the lines? Like if... I mean, feel free if you if you want to name names no, players no, where you've just yeah. sat back and gone, geez, that'd be a that'd be a hell of a recruit if we could get him to our club. Oh, it's, that kind of player. it's a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked something like that. It's the dream recruit. I think it changes every year, Tom. Like, it, it uh, and this is a bit of a cop out, but 
it does really depend on where your list is at. Um, uh, you know, if you think you're going to win the So that, flag, he's saying key forward. Like Tomahawk's got how many years left? <laughs> yeah. If he goes down, what, Josh Jenkins is going to get their first, his first game. Well, that's the thing. Like, but, but that's good the thing player, but they need one. Yeah, and we do a lot. Don't get me wrong, we do a lot of um, you know uh, scenario planning around around who's going to replace who and and um, succession planning and all that sort of stuff. But trust me, it doesn't all doesn't all fall the way you, you want it to fall. But um, in terms of dream recruit. There's a lot of different avenues, um, different different ways and means, and um, to getting players these days, like free agency and trade and all that sort of stuff in the draft. Um, a lot of it depends on yeah, where you're at, where you're picking in the draft, where you where do you need a midfielder? Do you take the best player available? Uh, dream recruit. Oh. Honestly, it'd be someone like Matty Rowe, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's a good place to start. Someone that, um, how I describe it, is has the good knack of being the best player on the ground every time he steps onto a footy ground. So um, he's a good, pretty good place to start. Oh, whether it's a forward, you just like blokes that can compete hard and um, take a mark, kick a goal, natural goal kickers. Um, yeah, I... I don't think I'm giving too much away in in terms of um, you know what what we like to look for and um, we love to love to see players that play well in big games and and compete hard all the time and and um, yeah, always play the game in in the right manner and the way it should be played. So um, at the That's end a of the line from this club song, it is. I just made that up, but you're right. Um, but in the end, yeah, we, we, I don't think we'll be recruiting too many um, players that aren't good people either. We try and make sure they're, they're good people and a good fit for our club. And um, we ask, it's, it's strange, like you, you, we do um, player interviews and, and um, interview 18-year-olds who are, who are doing job interviews for 18 different clubs and they don't know which job they're going to get. And then we ask 46 blokes to all be good mates and come from all over the world, Ireland and um, Darwin and Queensland and South Australia and Western Australia, and we all ask them to get along. Tasmania, I shouldn't forget them, the College Asneys. Um, and then we ask them all to, to get along and play good footy and be friends. So it's a fascinating environment. And how do you keep your excitement to yourself, I guess, on draft night if you're happy with your pick? Because um, as I've pointed out to you, our listeners might not know this, Liam is always camera side on draft night. He is never not facing the camera, so you'll always see his uh, smiling mug on draft night. But uh, how do you contain your excitement on draft night when you do snag one of these uh, desired players? Good question. Good question. Uh, it's hard. It's hard, but you just got to... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm going to have to think about that. How do you contain your excitement? Um, I'm not saying... I haven't seen your fist pump or anything like that, but (laughs) uh, you're probably happy internally. There's so much going on on draft night these days, Tom, that that you've got to be switched on. Because we can trade on draft night now that the phone rings. Mm. Um, You put your pick in and then the phone rings for your next pick or... The phone, um, or you ring someone for their next pick because there's still players available, or whatever it is. Um, 
there's so much going on that you just got to be switched on. I've got to admit, um, at the end of last year's draft, it was held over two nights and then one morning. Um, so national draft over two nights and then the rookie draft on a Friday morning. At the end of it, we, we were just knackered. Like it, it's it's mentally draining um, that you just got to be switched on. And I think you can, the days following, you can celebrate a bit and, um, and I always say to people, well, yeah, give us give us five years time. Ask us in five years time if they're any good yeah, because a... because they're just young kids and 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 yeah, we've drafted them now and people people tend to congratulate you on your draft and you sort of say, oh, thanks thanks very much. I appreciate the appreciate the comment, but yeah, they haven't done anything yet, so they're just starting their journey. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's a fair point as well um, when you're talking about spreading the draft out. I mean, it was pretty long last year's draft. I'm a, yeah, a traditionalist. I, I like the draft in one sitting, um, get it all done, get all the players yeah. sorted. You know, I mean, I like, you know, they've brought the rookie and pre-season draft a bit closer. I'm not sure why that was spread. I mean, how do you find that? Um, the, yeah. The timing. The timing. Um, yeah, as I said, there's a lot, lot that goes on. Um a lot to think about after the first night. There's, there's last year they and they they change it. They've been changing it a lot every year, really, with trading picks and trading into the future and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, you just got to be. It's it's now over two and a half days where you've just got to be switched on to to what's happening and oh, how do I find it? It doesn't doesn't worry me too much. But you don't switch your brain off too much. You don't sleep too well on that after that first night. You're sort of thinking about who's left and. Um, and um, yeah, what can I do to help help um, yeah, our guys make the best decision on, on, on who to draft on the night? I have a question from the listeners. Now, this is from Cameron down in the southeastern suburbs. Cameron? Uh, and you might, you might be able to pick the connection, but I won't give it away. <laughs> um, is the Hampton Rovers Football Club considered the best footy factory going around with 10 players currently on AFL lists? Wow. And for those listening at home, we have Angus Brayshaw at Melbourne and his brother Andrew Brayshaw at Fremantle, both from my old club, the Sandringham Dragons, as is <laughs> Braden Maynard from Collingwood, who started a little quarter-time scuffle tonight. Cool, Christian man. Salem uh, from Melbourne, also from the... Dra- Jeez, the Sandy Dragons slash Rovers are, are dominating here. Probably not surprising, given the area location, the, the proximity. Carl Eamon from Port Adelaide. Will Walker from North Melbourne. Miles Bergman from Port Adelaide. Hamish Brayshaw from uh, West Coast. Jaden Hunt from Melbourne. And Harry Reynolds from Sydney. That's ten, That's that's not bad. Yeah, that, that's that's factory turf, isn't it's it? Factory ten players. Like. Yeah. And like when I was coaching the thirds. That's, that is... <laughs> There's a lot, and can I just say, I don't think I've had a better coach. Uh, I'm just trying to think, did I play under you as a coach? I don't know if you did. Uh, I think you had a fair twos year that year. Might have won one of your BNFs, I think. No, no, I was coaching that day. You left at three-quarter time, and you were out. That's, Where were you? probably at 70 from goal, and I had to kick out and just thought I'd barrel it out to you to get it moving. That's an interesting interesting that you um, bring that, that point up. I can remember that day vividly for two reasons one reason is because um, I was standing on the wing as I don't people that have seen me play and I don't want to talk about myself too much I've already done enough of that tonight but no, that's I, didn't, what you're here for. <laughs> I didn't run very far or fast on a football field despite um, 
Shem Curry's uncle calling me fast one day. Um, <laughs> I didn't run very fast or far, and I was standing on a wing whilst a behind had been kicked at the opposition's end. And uh, you, I believe, stood up to the plate in the goal scoring, kicked the best barrel that I've ever seen. Uh, you know, someone like Malcolm Blyde or Gilbert McAdam would be incredibly proud of this barrel. I did not have to move it, and I can still remember. I still have dreams about it today. Um, so that's the first reason I remember that day. The second re- reason I remember that day is that I left at three quarter time. We were getting pumped, I reckon, and I just ran off, didn't have a shower, jumped in the car, and went straight to St Kevin's College that day and watched Lockie Fogarty play in a game uh, for St Kevin's against. Xavier, I reckon it was, um, and we ended up drafting Lockie Fogarty in that year, and he was terrific in this game against Xavier. And um, it might have been a year later we drafted him. Anyway, that, and that was, I think that was the yeah, one of the first times I'd seen. It must have been the year year before we drafted him. One of the first times I'd seen Lockie play, and uh, I can remember it to this day. And um, it's one of the reasons I don't have a whole lot of. Uh, a lot of other knowledge in my head is because I can remember little things like that. Coogs, you'd be exactly the same, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, oh, we, we brought up that uh, Seb coaching and I think you'll find I won the BNF that year, so I probably got the votes that day. Um, <laughs> no, nah, I'm not a... No, no, no. Hack, as we said, it off the top in the first episode. But, yeah, I mean, that that was sort of standard for you at that time, wasn't it? You sort of play a bit of the footy and then duck off and catch a game in the I afternoon. Did, that was yeah. in your earlier days. Yeah, I did, um, which is, yeah, which was, I, I, was I, I tend to keep, when I actually got to my games that I was watching, and I was generally school games or TAC Cup games, um, I would steer clear of most other people because I stunk because I didn't even have a shower. I just ran off, grabbed my bag, and, and jumped in the car. But no, nah, they were good. Yeah. They were good times. Good, good times. So just back on the Rovers very quickly. There's Sorry. ten running around Coffee. now, and I'm just looking at the list. There were it's just a few. It was Corey Maynard, obviously Braden's brother. Yeah. Ty Vickery, Teddy Richards, good Xavier boy, Danny Hughes. Uh, Chris Dawes, so they're all from sort of the late 2000s, early 2010s was sort of their career. I actually remember playing on Chris Dawes as a junior, so I played across the road at East Sandy, and he didn't get a kick on me. Um, he kept growing, I didn't, and uh, yeah, he carved his, himself out a nice little career. But premiership good player, good man, uh, Dawesy as well. I think uh, you remember Liam from Rome. We bumped into him on a we pub did. crawl in Rome yeah. one time to yeah. di- to digress. Uh, we did. Um, we twenty-first of Dines, fourteenth of October. Yeah, <laughs> anniversary coming up. It's a pretty good. Um, it's a pretty good list. It like is, yeah. a lot of junior clubs might have one, might have two. You know, like um, you know, Stall will have Liam Pickering. Not not too many others, but uh, it, they used to name the, the was it the best on ground or the cup after him, and that, that got scragged because he didn't hasn't been back in three years. So. Um, you know, it, it's really good to have so many players running around and just keeping the name out there, obviously, because there's a lot of, in a regular year, you know, yeah. you go on the footy show and, and, and oh, where'd you, where'd you play your junior footy? Oh, Hampton Rovers, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, there's a lot of... Um, it's so... Um... There's quite a few. I didn't realise till this got brought to my attention. I obviously knew of the sort of more well-known ones, but to have 10 That's is, amazing. is yeah. really good. Yeah, it is. And, and it's so... Um just goes to the fabric of our game doesn't it like the, the the junior clubs are so important to 
Yeah, that um, grassroots. Oh, and that's one of the things I love about our game is that is that you've you've always got your connection to your junior club, and and if it's a good junior club like the Hampton Rovers and a good senior club, it's it's um yeah you you will always stay connected. Um, I love the the players that go back and play for their their clubs when they finish their career, and and you just see that the type of person that they are, and um that's Penn, Penn actually surprises me. I, I can't think of another junior club that there's a kit, there's a there's a club in the um uh, Eastern Junior Footy League, the Beverly Hills Junior Football Club, which there's a lot of players running around, but. Yeah, I don't know if they got yeah. ten or twelve or twenty or, but yeah, there wouldn't be too many yeah. more than ten. I wouldn't have thought. No, you're right. It is it is good when they come back and have a run around, you know, as they tried with Danny Hughes for so many years. Um, but I digress. Um, and we've actually so we'll break the fourth wall here. I've actually tweeted out a photo of our little Zoom session, letting the the world know we're recording, and and one of your coaches, I won't tell you who has just said, oh, the guru, a lot of hits on his career video. Just wanted me to ask you about them. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's got anything to do with footy because my career wouldn't have too many highlights, but um, one of our ex-coaches is also a, a teacher and um, yeah, I've been a, uh, an attendee of his career's day that he, he that he coordinates at his, the college that he teach, teaches at. And this year... Um, because of the COVID times, there, there wasn't a uh, there wasn't a careers day, so we were asked to to send in a, a video, and I completely bumbled and fumbled my way through ten minutes of talking about myself. Which, believe it or not, I've been talking for the last half an hour, but I don't really like to do. <laughs> it's a new PV. <laughs> That's all right. That's what you're here for. That's what you're here for. It's. Um... I do have to clarify one thing with you, Liam. Though you. Uh, underselling yourself as a rover, you're a two-time twos best and fairest, and I remember you kicking what we call the mid-air miracle against Ormond one day. A pack of about eight or, or nine players formed, and, and you just got a toe out of nowhere and, and kicked a famous goal. I think that was one of our few wins that year, and it's always good to beat Ormond. So, uh, yeah, selling yourself well short, yeah. You played in a few finals for the club too, so I think uh, yeah, you're underselling yourself there. Uh, you, you could go back to the Rovers and people would know your name. I think the, the, it, it would the be twos, fair. The, as you say, the twos is, is about where I'm at, Tom. About where I've got to just run around, got a couple of kicks, and just pretended like I was out there. He didn't think that for those three weeks he played in the ones with Barney, did he? <laughs> I don't think he did. He, he we've digressed. Stats. Uh, we've yeah, we are gone, digressing. We've gone right off topic, but I, let's go back to some of. Let's go back to the AFL. Let's talk about some of the hard hitting stuff, or the not so hard hitting stuff, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, we didn't give Joe Danaher any credit last week. He um, yeah, he, this was he a had a ripper. He had a blinder, tricky. considering he hadn't played in four hundred and thirty odd days. I don't know the exact figure off the top of my head. Had a little. Not a letdown, but didn't set the world on fire, probably against better opposition. Um, how did you see his game? Yeah, well, I mean, fantastic to have uh, Joe back. And I I do have to say that, uh, yeah, the Essendon fans did come out in his defence of us not mentioning it and mentioning that game too, which was a yeah, classic game of two halves and that fantastic comeback. But, yeah, look, obviously tough against the Eagles and tough to back it up, but it's fantastic to have him back. I mean... It really gives the Bombers that, that zing. I mean, they were really crying out for the, for that key forward. And, and 
I think we've almost forgotten about how good or he can be or how good Joe, you know, his potential. I mean, he was an All-Australian in 2017 and uh, just hasn't been able to get the body right since. But, I mean, he, his best football is, is, dare I would say, dare I say, up there in the comp, really. When, when he turns it on, he's one of the... He brings Essendon with him. So uh, I'm looking forward to what he can do in these last three games. I know he's coming off a long layoff and, and he might be a little rusty, but if we get any sort of his any sort of sign of potential, I think... Uh, I mean, the Bombers might have left their run late, but if they're going to have a run, it's better with him in the side. So, I mean, I'm loving what I'm seeing. I'm a pro uh, uh, key forward uh, advocator, so uh, it's great to have him back. What do you think of him, Seb? So, I had a couple of thoughts, and I tweeted out this photo. It it got the rounds. He sat on the boundary line fence when, I don't know who it was, it might have been Hooker. Someone, Someone was having a shot at goal, and he just sat on the fence. And in my head, I thought, gee, that is, that's local footy. Full force is having a rest. I'm just going to park myself on the fence. But everyone's turned it into, is he interested in this? No. What's going to happen? And, and they've yeah. just gone absolutely nuts. And I'm thinking, this is why he wanted to leave Essendon, was to get out of that Melbourne bubble of... Because he is not just... He's a star. He plays at one of the biggest clubs. And he's a big figure in terms of... Yeah physical stature and stature within the team slash the game. So as soon as he does anything, everyone just jumps on it and wants to, oh, what's he doing? And I just thought, he's playing his second game back. The team had a, I thought they played pretty well. They just kicked themselves out of it early and then it was, it was really level pegging with West Coast for a team we expect to to sort of feature in the finish. So um, from that point of view, I just, I thought it was amazing. And then at the same time, it, it was baffling why we had to just talk about it without just having a laugh, you know, yeah. especially in the bloody COVID world we're living. It, yeah, the seriousness of it, it, it got blown out of proportion. I'm with you, Seb. I mean, it's come, this is something we've covered in multiple podcasts now is just the media not having a laugh or taking things way too seriously. And this was just another classic case. Like, I didn't see anything wrong with it either. Yeah, I, I get it at times. Like, you do have to be like, we're coming to the end of the season finals are there to be won you do need to be switched on but that had no whether he did or didn't do that had no impact on anyone um, outside of him getting a sit down rest versus a standing up rest um, but the other thing I, I thought when watching it he is at his best he's unstoppable and, and just about as good as anyone but he too often will float in and out of games give away free kicks be undisciplined are Essendon going to struggle given they obviously want to keep him? They didn't want to get rid of him last year and, and fought tooth and nail to try and get two first-round picks. With him and Jake Stringer, who can be almost... Plays very differently, but has that... Could do anything and could tear a game apart for a quarter to doesn't get a touch for a half. If they're both off, Essendon have absolutely no avenue to go. Can you have both two players like that in your side? Yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky one because I mean you're talking when they're both off they get absolutely nothing but geez when they're both on you know it's it's that it's that classic uh, catch twenty two. Have um, you seen them both on in the in the same game before? I well, haven't. yeah, that, that's a fair point too. I don't know if we have um, maybe an Anzac Day clash. I think one of the I mean Joey's won a he's won an Anzac Day medal, hasn't he? Um, maybe a couple of years ago. Um, not sure if Stringer was there then, but anyway, um, yeah, it's a it's a tricky one. You you, I would think they could work together, given their their size and the way they play. It's it's just another one of the bombers that they just 
they can get good results to a point, but they can't really push it to that elite level, which we've seen. They can get themselves into the eight. They can get sixth, maybe seventh. They just can't push into that top four bracket. This is another example. This is probably where they need to look at how they can actually get the best out of the players. And look, if if a player wants out, as, as Joe, I guess, demonstrated last year, do you want that kind of player at your club? Do you want to force someone to stay and just push out another year until... I know they probably did it for... You know, I mean, we don't know if he's going, but we're assuming. Um, did it to, I guess, lessen the... I mean, sorry, maximise their what they can get uh, with free agency, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, I don't know. But, look, he, he's on the way out, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, I, I think the only time you do trade someone like that is when they absolutely ask for it and make it crystal clear they want out and you're better off getting something rather than nothing. Um, you don't... And, and my club's talking about doing it. You don't move off on players just because they're on the back on the back nine and you they, they don't fit your, your list profile. You still need those sorts of players, A, to show the young kids how to perform and how to train and how to prepare, and B, to keep you relevant in the competition. Um, I, I think one of the things Carlton had all those years was despite the fact they were terrible, they had a lot of financial benefactors and, and you know, pushing the club. So... You know, if if there are other clubs who sort of just tried to do that, they'd almost go out of existence. I mean, Fitzroy did. So, yeah. you know, you, you need to stay relevant. Um, so I, I wouldn't be letting Joe leave. Look, if he comes and asks for it this year, I think you're crazy. You, you just have to. But you wait till the end of the year. You stop. You assess. Take the emotion out of it if you can. And then plow ahead and, and see what you can get. Um I was very active on Twitter uh, during this game at 12 rows back and had a few bites at the cherry. And, and I found um, I found a lot of the West Coast fans who were also active on Twitter could not stand the biased commentators. The Vic bias is real, Tom. I'm the just Vic here to bias, reiterate is, that. Okay, so the Vic bias is real. You've been really strong on this, Sam, haven't you? I'm I'm a massive believer in this, and it's hard for me to really convey it because I do live in Melbourne, so I do I just naturally experience I experience it, but don't feel it probably as much as what you would over there. But but you know you got John O'Brown, Warnable boy, Jordan Lewis, Warnable as well. Yeah, I think he was actually. Yeah, I've got a feeling he might be out that way. Um, they're they're commentating obviously brownie went up to brisbane and has has a love for that club but um i just found it interesting because there are a whole string of people on social media saying that nah, it's biased it's biased how are you going to give us a fair go are you going to give us a fair go sort of thing um and if you ask anyone and i've had a lot of pushback from people i know who are saying why to what do you know you know you don't know what you're talking about so everyone lives in victoria who's giving me the pushback you know, the one person who's told me I'm right lives interstate. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you, you are getting your info because I feel like I'm probably trapped in that bubble. Or I didn't see any commentary on the commentary over on, on that game. Um, but you've obviously got an expanded view because what you're seeing tweets, for, you follow a few people from WA, maybe the kangaroos out west or something, but you've got a few out in that pocket. No, no, I just um, went to the hashtag AFL Dons, AFL Eagles Dons, I think it was, and you just see all the most recent tweets with that hashtag, and 
all the Essendon people, sorry, all the West Coast people are wondering why can't we get a look in here? All the Essendon people are wondering why it wasn't a free kick. That's just what they wonder. Um, I just thought it was interesting and I, I'd love to get out of it and live six months somewhere else and just see what it's like. Because um, obviously if you went over there, the bias would be towards both of those teams. I'm guessing it'd be biased towards West Coast because they are, they're probably the biggest football club in Australia. Yeah, well, that, that's a fair comment, and, and that's something we might even look into at a, at a future date. But um, they are, yeah, the biggest. So I'd be, I mean, they've probably got a, they've got the biggest supporter base as well, potentially. That, and they're they're vocal, the the Perth fans, particularly the Eagles fans. We don't hear as much from the Dockers, but uh, definitely the Eagles aren't aren't scared to share their view. So look, look, I I feel like I'm in that bubble. So I'm 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 interested on this. We'll, we we'll keep an eye on this as as we go throughout the year. I'm interested, Seb. We've this is a question actually that came uh, in our mailbag. So Ooh. if you're happy to move on into the mailbag, but uh, should the AFL switch the quarters back to 20 minutes for the finals? Uh, Liam, actually, I'll be interested in your take on this one. Yeah, well, I haven't given it a heap of thought. I, I, I'm going to go with no, Tom. I, you know, I, I've, I've heard a lot of the commentary around, oh, the AFL's being flexible, blah, blah, blah. Um, I've, I reckon the AFL's done a great job to get the season away, and I think the flexibility has come around just um, staying on their toes in terms of how we can get players on the ground and all that sort of stuff. I, yeah, Each game... Apart from round one, uh, even round one, you guys would be able to correct me there. Was round one 16 minutes? No, that, that shortened games. Yeah, so one. every game in the season has been 16 minutes. So just let's just keep 2020 as a, every game is 16 minutes. I'm all for um, the 20 minutes plus time on going forward next year. And I know the broadcaster is, and I know the AFL is. They've come out and said it unequivocally, I think. Um, but no, I wouldn't be changing that. Would just. Yeah, I know without giving away too much, and I don't think I will give away too much because I don't have a great knowledge of it, but our club and a lot of the clubs do a lot of planning around the loads and the load management of the players midweek for the games and how they load their legs in terms of how much running they're doing. And um, If they changed them to 20 minutes, I reckon they would have had to given us all the teams that are playing, potentially playing finals, given us that information three or four weeks ago to, for, for planning, I reckon. Did that have an impact at the start of the year where all your pre-season training would have been for the 20-minute quarters? Yeah. yeah. And I guess it might have been different if we played more than one round. I guess if we played a block of four or something. Mm. Um, but obviously that first round was 16-minute quarters when all the training had been for... Yeah, 20 minutes. 20. Um, yeah, and I'll be speaking out of turn because it's not my my area of expertise but um i don't don't think it would have when the decision came down to 16 minute quarters i don't think it would have been a great sort of oh we're we're all um we're all stuffed here because it's gone um to lesser quarters but if it had gone to 25 minute quarters plus time on i think there would have been some um a little bit of scrambling but yeah it just would have been a lot of tweaking of you know minutes during the week and kilometres in the leg during the legs during the week and um, actual game time and the rotations and all that sort of stuff would have been a little tweaking but each club will be used to it now and will plan for the four day break, five day break, six day break, seven day break and um, yeah there's a lot that goes into that and it sounds like I, I know a lot about it but I really don't. Um, I just uh, asked the questions in at the club of the people that 
that control all that, and I'm fascinated by the answers. Yeah, no, look, that's fair, and I'm I'm with you on that. I, I think you know the years up and running. We've we've been doing it all year. I know the AFL has in the past made rules on the run, but I don't think the time spent playing the game is one that they can fiddle with. I think 2020, it's the the 16 and a half minute game. You keep that for the rest. Uh, I think it's a it's an open and shut case. Seb, what you, your thoughts? I'd like to see them change it just to see what the world would do. What's that? Just, um, what's that saying? Devil's advocate. Um, some people just want to watch the world, the world burn. burn. That's yeah. me right now. Um, Heath Ledger. No, oh, look, um, I, Michael Caine. Michael same Kane, movie. Same, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think. I don't think there's any point in changing it after playing. Well, we're doing. This will be the fifteenth round, and we're going to have eighteen, and then going. Oh, the finals are here. We normally play twenty, so we're going to bump it play up to twenty. 20. It's yeah. not. Yeah. They really. Uh, they really shouldn't change the rules from the start of the season to the end. And I know they have not changed the rules, but changed the interpretation of a lot of rules just to get through the year and, and to make it feel like they're doing the right thing. But the length of the game, that, that starts compromising the integrity of it, doesn't it? If you start changing... Like, that's a that's a core... Fun, like, the game is this long. Yeah, that's right. And we're just going to change it. That, that really... That really um, to use another sport, you, I know tennis, you know, you see a Grand Slam will have five sets instead of three, but they don't change midway through the tournament to the semis having five when you've been playing three. So it's the second time you've mentioned tennis on this podcast. You are a tennis man. However, we'll be covering um, it in uh, January. However, in the Davis Cup, in a, in a tie in the Davis Cup, if one team is up three, three to love, the dead rubbers actually go back to this three sets and not best of five. Oh, so, oh, oh yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be there on a Davis Cup technicality. What, you reckon, you reckon we could go to 20-minute quarters and then every game Adelaide and North Melbourne play, 12. you know, so long as it's against a non-finals yeah. team, we yeah, can just might be a good dead result. rubber it. 12-minute just, just bring it back to, yeah, 12-minute halves. <laughs> round round 17, North Freo, we'll play 12-minute halves. Half-time, the forwards and the defenders will flip yeah, yeah, yeah. And that way they can get a good look at the list you make, you make and it, just carry on. You make a good point about the integrity, though, Seb. It, yeah. it, and, well, if we don't have integrity in the comp, what do we have? Yeah, that, that, that's that's my view, and yeah. I think the AFL compromise it a little bit with the fixture and then with yeah. the... I've gone into the tribunal and... Your man Tomahawk, how he gets a rough, a rough end of the stick. We don't need to no, go no back comment. into it. We all know it. We all know. We all know what. We all know his record. Um, we've got another question from the mailbag. Oh, another one. Is this myself. someone familiar to us? I think we this might. Is, this has never happened before. Multiple mailbag questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and thank you to to the listeners for that. Keep keep them coming. Uh, 12 rows back at gmail.com. Keep them coming in. Uh, this is from DJ Broadsword again. Still a concerned viewer. He's a, um, um, a two time mailbagger, I believe. Yep, he's leaderboard at the end of this <laughs> series of the podcast. The leader of the mailbag will get a prize from us. Yet to be determined, but keep them coming. Yeah, keep them coming. Uh, me again, a young but faithful and interested Collingwood supporter residing in the leafy, leafy north of Melbourne. What is going on with syndesmosis? McGrath, Fisher, Stringer, Josh Dunkley, just to name a few, have all been struck down by this ankle injury. He loses me a bit here because he says, I'm relying on your physiotherapy knowledge here, but why so many? I blame 5G. <laughs> Look, That's the question. I'm a little bit lost at the end of his question. Yeah, we're not touching that, but um, 
And just to clear as well, we we are no physiotherapists here, Seb. We can definitely agree on that. But uh, it, we've it, got the same level of expertise as Brian Taylor, who does try and diagnose live in the call. But <laughs> yes, yeah. we're not physiotherapists. True. Well, look, it, it is an interesting one. Uh, I guess you're looking for a trend. So, uh, I mean, more multiple players in one year. I guess is this year an outlier? I, I feel. 100%. Syndesmosis has sort of come out of nowhere. It's a bit... I don't know if you, you both remember Osteitis pubis was a, was a huge one in the early 2000s. That was, you know, your Luke Ball and just... Uh, that one just constantly came up. Uh, Michael Voss. Try yeah. and name someone who's not Saint-Gerland. Yeah, okay, please. Michael Voss. I think Joe Danaher might have had it, actually. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, no, you, you'll find... Um, that, that that was I don't want to say injury of the year or injury of the month. It's because they just they're freak injuries. This syndesmosis one just for those playing at home is like a high ankle sprain. If that's the most simple way I could explain it, um, picturing that top part of your foot and it I guess the injury that occurs when it's planted and moved and uh, you're tearing ligaments in that area. So that's excuse those that are physiotherapists for that basic interpretation, but. Um, more of a freak, in, uh, freak injury, that one. I'd have to see, I guess, numbers over a number of years. Um, next year, if we'll see if, we, if it comes up. I'm not sure as well whether or not it's being reported that way as well. You might find that uh, instead of a, a high ankle sprain, that's just the new term that the medicos are going with as well. Medicine develops at a rapid rate. So, uh, look, I'll keep an eye on that for you, DJ Broadsword. Thanks for sending the question in. Seb, did you have anything to add to that one, I think? Uh, it's just there's an outlier in terms of workload and the load on the players and number of games and, and short breaks and all that sort of stuff. So it's very hard to really diagnose exactly what exactly what the issue is. Um, but there are probably always going to be more sort of general soft tissue injuries, I believe, this year. Um, and, and also, I think... That that ground at Metricon is not holding up too well. No, it's probably not yeah. helping them. Yeah, we have spoken about that. That outer wing is is really uh, really in need of some TLC. And to move on, and and thanks for sticking with us. By the way, this is a, a, a supercharged, super extended episode, and we're, and we're glad we're, you're still with us. In the spirit of the super extended, I actually have two stats for my stat of the week. If you'll indulge me here, Seb. What one of my can I just say one? Of, and I'm a I'm a regular listener. As you, I think you guys know, it's this this is one of my favourite segments of the week. I, oh, I, I hang on the edge of my seat for it every week. Is it? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I will take you could have just followed. Yeah, it is. You can just follow Sir Swamp Thing to get most of Tom's stats. <laughs> he no, has I, helped I, me over the journey, but uh, <laughs> no, not all of them come from ingest. the great man. No, uh, what have you got, have, Tom? Because I'm. Uh, I do um, enjoy it. I've. I've no. tapped out. I um I haven't got I haven't got anything in terms of stats for you. So no, no problem. So I'll give you one. So a team who beats the premier and loses to the wooden spooner in the same year. It's it's happened a lot over the course of the history of the game. But there's yeah. one club that's done it more than any, and it's the Carlton Football Club. I was going to oh. say Carlton. I've Carlton. Got a story so on this. you know, is you, anyone else close? Uh, they were two ahead of Richmond, who had eight. So the Tigers up so there you, as well. You've heard the story about 1995. It, 
Tigers had Tigers and Blues had pretty good years that years. I think Carlton won the flag. They went twenty and two. That was the best single did. season record one, one until the Bombers broke it twenty to, years ago correct. to the day earlier in this week. <laughs> so Carlton went twenty and two. They lost two games to the year. Yeah, one of them was to the uh, St Kilda Football Club. If I can Who, get a Saints mention in there, did the, would did they win the wooden spoon? Uh, no, but we did lose to Fitzroy so, that Sid, year. <laughs> Who won who the spoon? Won the, uh, the Fitzroy, Fitzroy might have been there last year, ninety-five, was it? No, nah, oh, ninety-six. 96. I could have sworn Carlton lost to the Wooden Spooner that year. Look, we were on the bottom of the ladder at the time they beat us. I was actually at that. Maybe game. that's what I'm thinking of. Nine, so freezing cold day at Waverley Arctic Park. They, um, that's best. Geez, that that's how they funded point. their. That's how they funded their footy trip. Oh, they got on. They bet a hell of a lot of money on. Uh, the Saints and the Swans, they lost those two yeah. games and that's how they funded their footy trip oh, that's by having a fair bit against it. Um, which goes in line with the Premiers winning to losing to the Wooden Spooners. Ah, beautiful. Well, moving on to my next one. So this is for the eagle-eyed fans. So last night you might have seen uh, Bobby Hill running around for the Giants. Now, he's wearing number 37. Last year, you'll find Big Rory Lobb was wearing 37. So <laughs> yeah. the question I, is, I, I is that the biggest, the biggest jump in jumper sizes or centimetre sizes between two players wearing the same jumper? Is it one centimetre off? It's three centimetres off. Oh. Aaron Sanderlands? No, no. He, I, I don't think he... Has he passed his number on, Big Sandy? Uh, I think he picked it up from someone, didn't he? What True, number, but it, it's not Big Sandy. Uh, yeah, look, I'll, I'll skip ahead to uh, the answer to that one, though. But <laughs> <laughs> I've drawn a blank on what uh, Big Sandy's number is. I should have known that. Anyway, six? Uh, yeah, I think it, you, you'll find that it is. Uh, anyway, moving on. Now, the, the biggest jump happened in 2004. Big uh, Peter Street, Peter uh, Street took over the number 31 from Mark Elvey when he moved over to the Dogs, yeah. and that was a 34-centimetre jump. So... Uh, for the property steward, that's, uh, dare I say, a, a, a small into a double or triple XL for Big Peter Street, the the former cat. I think he former cat. played at yeah, the Cats yeah, for a bit. Yeah, yeah he did. Um, nice fella. That's my uh, second stat of the week there. That um, Yeah, the names escaped me at the time, but it was it, the uh, the changeover from Rory Lobb to Bobby Hill was one centimetre greater than Aaron Sanderland and Liam Henry. Oh, there you go. So, oh, that's that's a good one, that one. Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, Peter Street was 211 centimetres, so that is enormously tall to start with. So, um, <laughs> not bad for the jumper aficionados out there. That's a good uh, one. Now, I think this segment you've been looking forward to all night, Seb, the upset of the week. Yeah. You're uh, sitting pretty. Tonight's result, uh, the Pies made a late charge, but they weren't able to get over the line, so I didn't get my tip for the week, but uh, you did. My word, I did. I had I had the Swannies uh, playing the Ds uh, in line with my Simple Simon to be sacked 2021 campaign. Uh, I just thought the Ds were up for a letdown, and my word, there was a letdown. They um, Five goals to none in that second quarter, and that, that changed the game. may or may not, but... It may well cost them finals. Um, they're currently well. They're currently ninth, and that's that's not where you want to be come the end of the year. And they no longer have that game in hand. Can I just say that game yeah, in hand that, is gone? That famous game in hand. It doesn't exist now. Richmond and Collingwood have both played fifteen games. Everyone else is on fourteen. The game in hand does not exist. So, whether you do or don't win at Melbourne and Essendon, 
everyone else has played 14 too. So, you are still ahead in the leaderboard. What, what did you get the uh, Swannies at? Uh, it was 320 or so, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, six six eighty. Six eighty. Nah, it was, Jeez, um, that's value. If I, you did. I think it was about three bucks, if I'm being honest. So, oh well, that's good. You're uh, you're off 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 and racing. Well yeah. done. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that because you'll probably overtake me in a round or two. Um, a scratch. Well, there's three rounds left, um, but we will continue through finals up until grand final weekend, where there's actually no way you can both tip the underdog, um, where we'll just pick the winner. Um, I'm first cab off the rank. I have you my ass. Golf, you golf are exciting. style. They're all up for grabs in this round. So we've had a few rounds where there's a, your 50-50 game, but I think you'll find this week they're all ready to go. So can, you've, can I, you've got the open slate. And can I just Liam, say, obviously, yeah. Uh, well, I'm in my role. I'm not allowed to bet on footy, um, but I am allowed to bet on the races. So... After you guys have given your tip, I'm more than happy to, to give out a tip to the loyal listeners for tomorrow at Mooney Valley. Will the podcast be out by by uh, twelve thirty race one tomorrow, Seb? My word, it will okay. be. Or I can edit, or we can record ten different versions of this, and we'll just edit in the right one. <laughs> Not enough. Of. No, no, but, but it'll be out. Leave it so. with me, and I'll find a winner for you, at Mooney Valley. After Coogs, you've given yours. Beautiful. All right, so I'm just I'm. Scrolling down the list, North probably won't. Last time we played them, Ben Brown kicked ten. That won't happen this time. Uh, the Hawks are a, the Hawks are a huge chance to come back against the Saints. Uh, I've been told the Bombers are certainties. Jeez, uh, I don't mind the Dogs as much as I thought West Coast were going to win the flag. I don't mind the Dogs. Melbourne will bounce back. Do you reckon Adelaide can win, Tom? Well, look, I, I think they might have played their grand final, so I, I wouldn't be going yeah, that particular game. You're getting Swannies two in a row. That'd They've be, uh... been good to us because one of the two I got was the Swans yeah. being the Giants. So the Swans have done well for us this uh, this back half they of the have. year. They have. You do have uh, a, a fair Bombers contingent that comment and and let you know no, if you, if I you just did think... go with them. You have, I reckon and, if, and you have been burnt by tipping against the Cats earlier in the piece, haven't you? <laughs> you've, you've kept track of, of this segment, obviously. Oh, well, I believe you tipped the Ruse to beat the Cats way back uh, when, when the Cats played Saturday night, then Wednesday night. Yeah, that's, that's borderline insulting. I would have been uh, peeved by that too. That was strategic. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so I'm, I'm going to go the Dogs to beat West Coast. Sunday night, 6.10. Oh, that that's that a good game of footy, If I'd gone off the top, that'll, yeah. that'll be a ripper, that one. Look, it's off the back of the Dogs didn't have a game this round, meaning mm. they lost to the Cats on that Friday night. And then they both... So, so the Cats lost to the... Cats beat the Dogs. And then on the Friday, they have a bye this round. Essendon play West Coast on Tuesday. And now both teams are sort of playing each other. The dogs playing West Coast, Cats playing Geelong. Cats playing Bombers, so yeah, I'll, I'll take the the doggies to get the chockies there. Two forty. Yeah, look, I'll be honest that that was a sting. I had them written down because I did my uh, my pick prior, but you did have the first hit off, so that's fair. I just give the listeners some something behind the thought process. No, yeah, no, it's like good. That. That's what we want. 
Uh, look, I'm going to go straight off the top. This is just a, a pure gut feel. I'm going to I'm going to jump on the Swannies again. I, I don't trust the Blues. <laughs> I did I, look. I'll be honest. I, I did think about the Hawks v the Saints, but I just think we just have to win that game. That season sort of on the line stuff. I just can't see that slipping. Obviously, the Ruse against the Power. Um, Adelaide played their grand final. I think the Diesel bounce back. Um, yeah, obviously, like the dogs and the cats are looking too good. So that left me with Sydney. So I'm going to give them another crack. Uh, can they salute can for I, the third time? Can I ask you a question? Yes. Which team does Tom Papley pay for? Well, that is the potential Tom Papley Cup. So that that's the, as well as looking for the upset. And I always like watching Tom and he might be the difference. In fact, dare I say, he, he will be the difference in that game. Yeah, I reckon that's smart. I should have... Didn't have the Papley factor, and I think you find it's the Andreas Everett Cup this week. Yeah, the Andreas Everett Cup. That that's a riffer. That one. Good, good old Andreas. Um, yeah, look. And I'll we move to Mooney ones. Valley. Yes, Liam. This is this is one for the viewers who who, who are here. You know, at late in this longer episode, we really yeah. appreciate it. What have you got for them, Liam? And I want to know if if you can give me this, um, Seb. And I know you're the racing guy of the podcast, um, and. Um, I just know that because you're a racing guy. But I, I want to back race five, number six, which which is a horse called... Um, it's a Western Australian horse. So my friend Phil over in Western Australia will be very happy with me. And it's got the great W Pike on board. Um, it's showing me $2.10 right now, and it's not a lot of value. So it's, it's race five, number six, Showmanship, which I think is one of the best horses in the country right now. Can I have that? If not, I'll find you some more value. No, no, you, you can look. It's it's the favourite, not technically an underdog, but I'll give it to you because a it's over two dollars, which is the criteria, and b just give it the old odds boost with the corporates, <laughs> and I've got up to two twenty. You might get two thirty. I reckon that's fair well, game. Well, that, that's, I've got, I, I'm happy to give you one with value in the last. Would it should be race nine, number nine. And it's called Rivet Delight. And it'll be its fourth mm. run in, into its campaign. It doesn't mind Mooney Valley. And it really likes... Um, up against this company, it should be good value at about 10 bucks. There you go. Rivet Delight. Do not leave it out of your quadrellas. Yeah, I reckon you should have stuck with just the, just the one. <laughs> just, just looking at this. <laughs> Beat, beaten past 25. No, including just, all 18 in Hong Kong. So uh, it's been a while, it, while since drinks, but it is due. you've got to be in it to win it. So I reckon uh, there's a couple of tips, and that's that's what we like, a bit of value. Well and truly due. International horses, I like them going around. All right. I reckon I reckon that's, that's it from us. I've got one last question. Liam, Logan McDonald, where is he going? What number? Logan McDonald? Who sent that in? Perth, Western Australia, tall forward, 196 no, centimetres. And, I, and he, I've got to admit, he's had a terrific season, Logan. Um, he's 17 a, goals and six games yeah, for Perth senior, senior waffle footy, side. Uh, country boy, uh, plays for the Perth Demons. No, he's, um, he's a really good footballer. So, yeah, I'll, I'd be very surprised if, if um, he wasn't picked in the first round of the draft, that's for sure, Logan. You can't... Um, can't kick that many goals in, in senior footy in the waffle without um, pr- 
pricking the ears of recruiters all around Australia, I reckon. Liam, we really appreciate you coming in. It's great to have a, a special guest on, on the podcast, obviously. Uh, great for listeners and your great insight. We really appreciate. Uh, happy to have you back. So yeah. thanks thanks so much for coming and giving us your time. Uh, no, it was good fun, boys. Uh, and um, as you guys know, I'm, be- I'm a big fan. You you boys are doing a good job and it's, it's good listening when I'm, when I'm uh, working away at my desk here of a, of a, whenever it comes out, Tuesday morning or, or whenever it is, it's it's um, nah, it's up the top of my podcast to listen to every week. So, nah, you're doing a really good job, boys. Nah, pleasure to have you. It was fantastic you weren't super drilled down by the media team and just had those straight within these four walls <laughs> answers. That was really good to hear. Yeah, we enjoyed that. And obviously everyone listening, thanks. We appreciate it. Subscribe, rate and review in iTunes and... Find us on social media at 12 Rows Back or at 12, uh, 12 Rows Back at gmail.com. We're here, we're ready to talk for you. Uh,